African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Remember, on DSTV channel, we're on channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And uh, if you are listening to us uh, on DSTV, we're on channel 802. But online, you can listen to us on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. As I mentioned yesterday, we are not broadcasting from the SABC studios. We're outside right here at the Emperor's Palace attending the Top Woman Conference on their second day. Uh, The conference has been very, very amazing. As I highlighted yesterday, it's recognizing amazing women who play a pivotal role in the public and the private sector. And uh, this year, the great conversation has really been focusing on the idea of digital innovation. How do we incorporate women in the uh, fourth industrial revolution? And uh, today, I'm speaking with someone who's really get into this particular theme and that's Lindiwe Matlali who is the founder and CEO at Africa Teen Geeks. I was having a conversation about what she does with her NGO and she's a fantastic fantastic woman. We've just been speaking for five minutes and I'm really really amazed at the kind of stuff that she does but she's also mm-hmm. important because she's a member of the Presidential Commission on the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Uh, that's also interesting. We'll talk about that with you as well Lindiwe. Thank you for giving us your time Lindiwe. Thank you for having me. Now, we were speaking about African teen geeks. Just for our listeners, let's give them the context because I'm really excited about what you do. And uh, I just think it's fantastic the fact that, you know, we were speaking yesterday with uh, a lot of the women here and I was telling them that, you know, the great thing about women leadership is that, you you know, you guys think both capital, but at the same time you think around uh, social change. And it seems like those two go... um, in the same symmetry for 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 le- women leaders on the African continent. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell us a little bit about African Teen Geeks and what's all about and how, how you got inspired to start this NGO. Africa Teen Geeks is a non-profit organization that um, teaches kids from disadvantaged communities how to code. Um, we only focus on kids that are between the ages of seven and eighteen, so it only has to be school kids. And we only started seven because it's when this ki- the kids are now able to read. Sure. Um, and um, so what we do is that we, we work with UNISA, who's been um, gen- generously supporting us by opening their labs for us. Yeah. So we bring kids to come every Saturday, sure. where we take them from. I've never touched a computer before to I can you know create a game using artificial intelligence AR or you know virtual reality um, yeah tell us a little bit about that I mean um, why did you think that was an important thing to do I mean I know that the fourth industrial revolution is right in our midst and we, we also catching up as, as the continent what inspired you to actually start this idea 
Um, I was attending a program at MIT actually in yeah. 2014. Sure. Um, and was that in the US? Yes, it was in the US. Sure. And um, they were they had a girl, an eight-year-old girl, that came to talk about an app that she had created, yeah. and I was so inspired because I'm not a technical person myself. Okay. I studied business, you know, um, sure. majored in economics and stats, okay. and I didn't really. I wasn't. I thought I was not that technical. Yeah, you um, thought. I you thought, thought wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, yeah, so I started, um, as she was talking, this little girl, I was so inspired, and I thought, why don't you have this at home, you know? Yeah. Um, Tell and us a little bit about this girl, what was happening there? She had created an app, okay. and it was actually all over the media at the time. Sure, sure. Um, and what was also amazing about it was actually she was self-taught. Huh. Um, so, because also in the U.S., just like in South Africa, coding is not necessarily available to every school. Yeah. So, and, and I, as, as I was reading about that, and I, I wanted to do something, not that there weren't any programs that teach coding. Some of the schools that are in affluent areas, yeah. you know, would be teaching coding, yeah. but it wasn't available for children in disadvantaged communities, specifically in townships, because yeah. obviously lack of infrastructure, yeah. lack of, you know, lack of access to internet, and yeah. lack of, quali- of, of, of qualified teachers. There's just too many lacks of, lack of, lack yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to take those kids and then and bring them and introduce them to coding because I wanted to close the opportunity gap. Because you might find that they probably have a child that would be, you know, come up with something more amazing than this child in the U.S. But she's just not going to have an opportunity to do that just because of where she was born. And for me, it was closing the opportunity gap and expose these kids to the 21st century skills and provide role models. Because a lot of kids, you know, probably like you and I, we, when we grew up, our role models were DJs. Not that there's nothing <laughs> wrong with you and, and celebrities. Not yeah, because there's nothing wrong. Fan, and yeah. yeah, because not because there's nothing wrong with sure, it, because sure. that's what we see, see you know? Yeah, yeah. You, you can't become what you have been seen. Yeah, so it's all about I get the exposure. Idea that you're saying. It's like the more you expose a generation, the more interested they become on that particular thing. You're yes. completely right. Yeah. And also looking at uh, alternative path to success. Sure. You know? Because um, yeah. for us, if I want to be, how many of us can, young boys can play for, for Bafana? Yeah. How many young boys can be the next DJ Fresh? The fact that she's been, he's been around for so long, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, <laughs> it just shows you it's, it's not one. very yeah. easy sure, to sure. actually make it. Yeah. Which is, it, it, it's, it's great that we can have people like that to inspire kids, but we also have to expose them to alternative yeah. path of success. If I don't play for Bafana, if I don't become a, a, a DJ Fresh or yeah. a Bonang, I can also be a very successful software engineer. I could yeah. be the next Mark Zuckerberg. Because yeah. it's actually possible. Now, let's look at when you came back from the U.S. I mean, where did you start? I mean, he was talking about this lack of, lack of, lack of, especially when it comes to us understanding where to start with education, when it comes to the fourth industrial revolution. And I, I'm sure I was speaking to one of the heads of communications of Google who was speaking yesterday, and she was saying that as a journalist in um, the technology field, she was always kind of ostracized or not really accepted immediately because she was a woman. For you, what kind of challenges did you face coming back, kind of taking on this big task? I mean, first of all, because we're bringing kids from townships when I ask them to come to UNISA, yeah. I learned very quickly that, you know, having an opportunity doesn't necessarily mean a lot of people, will, a lot of kids will have access to it. Sure. Because when you went and say, hey, bring your kids to UNISA, then it was, um, I don't have money for transport. Sure. Oh, and, and it was like, and then, you know, we started seeing kids, you know, like you and I, our yeah. kids coming. I was like, no, but your child probably goes to a nice school. They can yeah, learn how sure, to code. Sure. But the kids that we wanted were not able to because um, they just could not access. They didn't have there were money big, for there taxi. Were few barriers, there are few yeah. barriers. Yeah. And um, so it was a way we started going and trying to ask for funding. Mm-hmm. At that time in 2014, 
coding was not fun so it wasn't it wasn't was a thing, thing yeah, right yeah. so you go to companies and they tell you oh no we're only focusing on math and science oh, yeah. so you only so there was not a lot but because i'm an entrepreneur so sure. um africa teen gigs is not my full-time job sure. uh, i've got two jobs okay. one that pays my bills and one that feeds my soul sure. so i funded a lot of these kids so i paid for the transport we paid for and people that were interested and willing some came but at the beginning was i'm gonna do this yeah. and 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 prove these people wrong yeah right yeah. and 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 that's what we did and yes sometimes when you go and people they'll look at me when i'm not like first of all according to them yeah. why should i be doing this because obviously they didn't think that i was even technical enough yeah so for me that was um you know because being an, a hustler like having starting your own business sure. you learn not to care about the sure. the norms yeah, or yeah, the yeah. You know the rejections the rejections it's like yeah. okay that's just one you know you know that and you also know if you're in business when you start your business for every hundred call calls you make only one will turn okay. into a yeah. business sure. so it was never i persisted yeah. and and made sure that we go to where we, we are right now and where are we right now i mean are we moving um ahead are we are we actually progressing in understanding that it is a moment of urgency in terms of adapting to the fourth industrial revolution? I mean, you're a member of the presidential commission, which has just been appointed by the current president. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like that's a, a kind of a big worry for the country right now. There's a loss of jobs. And it seems like people don't know where to start with this particular mode of things that is happening in the industries. Yes, we are. I mean, the fact that the president took this on, um, the Department of Basic Education is working on a, a coding and, and robotics curriculum that we were, we were involved in supporting them in. Yeah. So there is that shift. But, you know, I think for there's still a lot of systematic uh, changes that has to happen first. Yeah. Because when we still have the same thing where we don't have infrastructure. Sure. Coding, by the way, has been taught, like IT is called IT, yeah. has been taught from grade 10 to 12 since 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 2014 okay. but all those schools are in affluent areas because sure. they've got the internet they've got the teacher they've got all of that yeah. and for me the worry in terms of where we are right now is that if nothing gets done it will still be the same thing yeah. where only kids that go to Rivonia primary school will learn how to code and those that go to Abikuma in Soweto won't have access because they just don't have the infrastructure but um, uh, that being said you know with the president driving and, and wanting to make sure that um, every child has an opportunity I think those are things that can, can also be addressed and making sure that we've got um, qualified teachers but also rethinking the role of a teacher in a classroom yeah, yeah definitely you know, I mean, I, I'm interested in as well around the commission because, you know, I mean, what kind of conversations are you guys having right now? And as the presidential commission in terms of this particular issue, what are your major concerns and major challenges and say, ah, this is something that we need to kind of cross over and then we'll be, we'll be fine from there? Yeah. Well, I can't really speak on behalf of the commission, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> right? Sure. But um, I, I'm among the work stream that is focusing on human capital and the okay. future of work, yeah. which is obviously, you know, uh, the area where I am. Good. And I believe that for me, um, we need to prepare our young people early. Because I think even now when people talk about STEM, they talk about math and science, a lot of companies focuses on math and science when you're in grade 10 grade 10 to 12 yeah. that's too late yeah. research is already proven for example for girls by the time they get to age 15 where they have to choose um their subjects which would where they'll get to choose whether they go with math and, and science 
they've already lost interest. Research found that girls actually are interested in STEM by the time, by the, the time they're age 11, yeah. and then they lose interest by the time they're age 15. Why? That's a very small window Why? because there's a lot of there's a lot of of stereotype. Like you know, a girl interested in STEM, they'll probably be told you're a tomboy. You know, if I want to be an engineer and I'm interested in fixing cars and under, understanding how things made, it's like you know, you're a tomboy, and and those perceptions and those stereotypes yeah. that makes girls not being trained. And also, if I become an engineer, maybe it means I shouldn't be feminine anymore. Yeah, I can't yeah. wear my lipstick and be pretty yeah. because, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be serious. And it's also a male-dominated industry because even after those that do pursue STEM, they leave STEM sectors because yeah. when they get to their companies, it's a boys club yeah. they start feeling uncomfortable sure. there's, there's a lot of i mean you've seen a lot of the issues that you've also seen with the workout at google that you know with a lot of women saying that they've been harassed and all. so there's a lot of systematic issues that happen in terms of for women to feel comfortable in stem but it's something that we can change that yeah. actually the, the good thing is we are open about this conversation right now sure. and we can change the the, the future for our young girls coming up. Well, before I move on to Dr. Saundaria Rajesh, uh, who's the founder president of the Af- of AFTA, um, uh, let me just wrap it up with you, Melindu. Um, we were speaking around the idea of women leadership, and I'd like us just to speak about that just briefly in terms of just that that idea of the need of more women in leadership, whether it's politics, whether it's the public sector, the private sector, and the NGO space that you also work with. You know, how, how important is it that we start having that particular age, especially on the African continent? I mean, I believe that um, for me, women um, equality and, and like women rights, mm-hmm. they are human rights. Mm-hmm. Um, we are as equal, as intelligent as men. And I think, and, and unfortunately, most of the time we have to choose. Yeah. Um, I have to choose between being a mother, yeah. a wife, yeah. you know, and a mother, or being a career woman. Sure. And most of the time, if I go for, for, actually, a lot of interviews I go to, or any, I'll always be asked, so how do you balance it? But yeah. if my husband was here, nobody's going to ask him. So how are you going to balance being yeah. a husband and a, and a father? And, a father. Sure. and then it's more like for us, it's like, oh, you, it's, you, we, we need it's to either or. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can't yeah. be successful in both yeah. because if you are, then you must be neglecting your kids. That, sure. you know, and, and those conversations have to change because women equality is, is very important in terms of also raising our young girls and, and having providing a, a lot of opportunities. But also what you said is that when, you, when a woman is successful, it's not just me. Yeah. Um, the, the, the feminine instinct, the nurturing nature yeah. is I bring others with me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's important also for the community as well because when you support a woman, you support the, the entire co- community. Fantastic. It's such a pleasure to, to meet you, Lindy. Well, I hope we can, I can get your card. You can give it to my producer. I'd love it because, you know, we're thinking maybe we can go to Silicon Valley together. We haven't even spoken around the fact that you're planning to t- take the... You should. We're going people. in November. Okay. So you must t- come t- with tell us. Tell our listeners a little bit about that before we let you go. Um, we have a partnership with the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime. Okay. So for the past two years, we've been running hackathons to get kids to be interested or, well, to educate them about solving issues of rule of law through technology and we run we've run the hackathons in indonesia bolivia nigeria you know um, a lot of countries so and the and the united states where we do a global hackathon in silicon valley so this year uh, last year we were hosted at semantic and this year will be hosted um 
at Facebook. Facebook. Yes. Fantastic. I hope that's going to be fun. I'm going to try to see if I can join you. But you uh, that's the, the wonderful Lindiwe uh, Matlali, who does fantastic stuff, as you heard. She's the founder of uh, uh, the Africa Teen Geeks and also a member of the Presidential Commission of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Thank you so much, Lindiwe, for giving us your time. I'm going to take a quick break and we'll come back. We're going to speak to Dr. Uh, Rajesha, who is uh, uh, part of uh, the founder, president of AFTA, which is looking at India's premier diversity and inclusion strategy firm. So I'm sure she does a bit of consultation when it comes to diversity in firms and companies, but we'll deal with that after this break. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa. Rise. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Building Africa with love. Bujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us gladly do it with our hearts. And if we cannot, then let us die. We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us. As you can hear, the ladies are out on tea here at the foyer at the Emperor's Palace. They're just on a quick break this morning. And uh, we're right here at the Top Women Conference, which is uh, actually uh, really uh, playing a pivotal role in actually acknowledging women in the public sector, in the private sector, and kind of the role that they play in that. And right now, we're going to be joined by uh, Dr. Saundaria Rajesh. Did I say that right, Dr. Yes, you did. Uh, I am Dr. Saundarya Rajesh. Fantastic. Yes. And uh, you are a social entrepreneur and a founder president of AFTA Group in India. Tell us a little bit about AFTA. What do you do there? Is it a consultation firm? Tell us a little bit more. It is a women's workforce participation organization. Okay. So it's an advisory firm that helps organizations, that helps the government, that helps uh, you know local bodies uh, to... Uh, on on the whole uh, piece of how more women mm. can be welcomed into the workplace okay. and more economically productive jobs can be created for women mm. so that's that's the work that we do and we have been uh, instrumental in the re-entry the career re-entry of more than about uh, 30,000 Indian women professionals. You see, there is this phenomenon of taking a career break in India, which is quite common. And uh, there, almost... Why why does that happen? Yeah, almost 48% of Indian women under the age of 30 take a break in career at least once, which means they either drop off permanently from the career ramp or they probably have you know taken a, a, a break only to get back into it but the getting back part is really really difficult okay so for that reason um, avatar was set up as an organization 
that works with both the women and the job uh, giving corporates mm-hmm. the corporates that can actually employ these women mm-hmm. and uh, that's the work that avatar does and we do this by um, employing data by providing lots and lots of data to the organizations on why it makes sense to uh, you know engage women and we also do that by training the women themselves to lead intentional career paths yeah. you know uh, be more be uh, make it more like a game of chess than a game of snakes and ladders fantastic we'll come back to the chess versus snake and ladders concept but i'm interested in the fact that what brings you to south africa i know the obvious issues are the fact that uh, we are both developing countries india and south africa we also both uh, members of uh, brics uh, but tell us a little bit more about your interest in being here why did you accept this invitation uh, you you know the question is a brilliant one thank sure. you for asking me that question um so both these nations you know they have so many things in common hmm. uh, we both have been colonial colonies uh, we both drive on the right uh, i'm sorry on the left <laughs> on the okay left. yes, yes. yes. Uh, we 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 both follow a lot of the british uh, you know um, remnants sure. of culture and of various things yes we still love our tea here as well yes i know <laughs> the wonderful warm scones with strawberry and with fresh cream tell me about it absolutely yeah Indeed. so so the thing is that uh, you know as developing nations and you yeah. made a very important point there because india has so much to learn from south africa yeah. as south africa has to learn from india sure in india the women's workforce participation rate is at about 27% yeah. whereas in south africa it's almost double that at 48% yeah wow uh, but whereas the women entrepreneurship rate in india is almost at about 18% whereas in south africa it is under 10% yeah, yeah. so uh, you know you, you have both Different. these countries which have a lot to learn from each other currently india's gdp is is quite high uh, you know economically we are progressing as a nation and a lot of that has to do with the fact that in the past decade a lot of organizations have begun to see gender inclusion and gender diversity as very very core and important to the scheme of things i think that's a model that can definitely be sort of you know um, uh, copied here that's a model that can be brought here and one of the most important things that i hope to achieve during this visit of mine at south africa is to look for partners here who can join hands with us to create a platform of the best employers for women here which is driven by data so how can we pull together all the best practices that all the different great organizations in the world are bringing together and how can we make south africa a country that is really welcoming for women in the workplace so these are my questions you know yes. it's it's fantastic that you say that because i think what you are getting right in india is something that we trying to embark on two particular central issues it's your technology sector yes. it's very vibrant your agriculture is also vibrant yes. we're struggling with that especially with getting women involved in those particular two uh, sectors not just as um, laborers but as really key figures in terms of leading those particular industries how is india utilizing uh, the strength and the capacity of women in those two fields 
Okay, uh, so with regard to technology, um, well, I must confess yeah. that, you know, um, we don't have as many women in STEM as we'd like to. Sure, okay. So we have about 35% women's workforce participation in the STEM industries, yeah. but that's very, very poor given the kind of, uh, you know, potential that's there. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could easily be more than 50%, yeah. but we are not. And what contributes to that? What contributes to this problem? It could be the fact that, you know, we have um, a lot of those mindsets which are there, which need to be broken, the biases, both the conscious variety and the unconscious variety. How do we break these biases? How do we make sure that women actually progress in the fields of STEM? So that is something that we're working on. But the good news is that we have a lot of organizations that have taken this up as a very important initiative, including us at Avatar. Sure. And we are making sure that organizations, that women are sensitized about this, that organizations are sensitized about this, mm. even from the young age onwards, yeah. even from when the girls are at school, the girls are in college. In fact, we have a initiative at Avatar called Project Putri. Sure. And Project Putri is this not-for-profit initiative okay. meant for India's underprivileged girl children. Okay. And Putri, uh, in many Indian languages, means daughter. Okay. So uh, this project is aimed at those young daughters mm. of very deeply impoverished mothers. Mm. You know, the mothers who spend almost the entire day trying to put food on the table, working for very, very low wages, as less as maybe one dollar. Mm. And you know, these are the women who want their daughters to strike it rich, to strike it big, mm. and to move out of poverty. Yeah. And to them, we take the message of STEM. And we, uh, the skilling that we offer Project Putri beneficiaries uh, has a lot to do with various aspects, including technology. And agriculture? So agriculture, mm. again, India is an agrarian economy. Sure. At the end of the day, all said and done, even though we may talk about soft power, sure. we may talk about technological power and all of that stuff, India is still an agrarian economy. Sure. And what's today happening is that a lot of India's agriculture is focused on the monsoon, on, on the fact that it should rain when it says it will you know so that is definitely a challenge and so we have the drought seasons and we have the uh, seasons where it rains and then it's great Um, but but the key thing about agriculture today is it is still very very manual okay and 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 women involvement in it so women's involvement in agriculture is a default thing okay we have a huge number of women actually being part of the rural workforce so in fact if you look at the women's workforce participation rate that i spoke about 27 percent almost 80 percent of that number comes from india's fields it comes from india's rural part what we call bharat uh, the part of india that's 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 predominantly rural and that is the piece where we have uh, uh, you know women working on the fields working in the agrarian economy as laborers as as owners also also as people who manage the uh, workers but the sad part is that it's extremely manual driven so that you know causes a lot of problems because when you have the challenge of education And, and you have education being seen as a route to better lives. Yeah. Uh, then you have the people migrating from their, uh, you know, original villages, yeah, yeah. their original towns. And sure. that is a challenge for growth. That's a challenge for any government, for any economy yeah. to say that how do we create livelihood opportunities 
for people where they live yeah. not somewhere else so that is a challenge for both men and women in india all right before before we wrap it up and also interested in the fact that how do we transform these these issues especially i mean i know the transformation is taking place in both countries slowly but surely but we need to uh, fast track this particular change where we see women in leadership roles in industries what's your take in, in that so, particular agenda why is it taking so slow in africa and in india in especially in developing countries seems to something that we struggle you know with. there's Patriarchy. this uh, very important and very intriguing uh, you know phrase that i just heard mm. at the top women conference and that is is loyalty mm. to the family by a woman considered disloyalty to the corporate now that that is a very important question is loyalty to the family almost translating into disloyalty to the corporate so that is something mm. that women you know strive against that's something that women have to struggle with it's a stereotype with. isn't it it is a stereotype yeah. it's also uh, the way we are socialized the sure. way men and women are socialized yeah. and all of this contributes to the fact that you know the pipeline for women in leadership is very very poor so what do we do to uh, you know sort of increase that pipeline and you know again a very interesting point was made uh, in the conference where people discussed whether you should buy talent or develop it internally yeah, yeah, and it's it's yeah. very important because you know buying is is easy sure. you it's just look solution. for sure. yeah, yeah i mean it's just a quick fix yeah. but then it's important to develop talent internally it's important to make sure that you have uh, you know your bright young women um, trained and mentored and they do not see this as a zero sum game they shouldn't see this as uh, you know unsustainable so how do you make work and life integrated for all your women i think that is the question that needs to be answered and and finally dr moloi mutsepe yesterday was speaking about the fact that it's not just a journey for women to take it's a journey that men must also take oh absolutely <laughs> i think the whole uh, you know movement around men as allies yeah. and back in india we call it maga yeah. men as gender advocates yeah. okay maga um what what we believe is that men as allies and men as gender advocates is going to be the transformational yeah. uh, you know tipping point when sure. more and more men who are clearly the majority in the workplace yeah. when they come together to uh, you know to solve the problems of women who are the minority yeah. i think everyone gains thank you so much it's thank been a fantastic conversation it you are wonderful it's a pleasure thank you and so much and i hope much. that you enjoy the rest of your stay in thank south thank you so much i really hope to take a good look at your beautiful gorgeous country i'm really hoping to visit a few places so thank you so much fantastic thank, thank you. you so much uh, doctor uh, thank you for giving us your time uh, that was dr saundiaria rajesh there who is uh, the founder president of uh, uh, afta which is india's premier diversity and inclusion strategy firm i'm going to take a quick break and then i'm going to come back to you after this I'm an actress, I'm a motivational speaker, born with albinism. Um the nurse first asked my mother, "Is your husband white?" My mother said, "No, why are you asking me that question?" When I grew up, there was no publication of person with albinism disappearing, mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happened now. 
Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time, Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Pule Mulebazi, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Hey, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, we are on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio Okay, Thank you for listening to us there into Sub-Saharan Africa. Internationally, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za where you can stream us live. And as I mentioned, we're at the Top Women Conference on our second day here at the Emperor's Palace speaking to women who are making a difference in their communities, who are making a difference in the private sector, public sector, uh, the private sector. Uh, so it has been a very interesting engagement indeed. I'm now joined by Kinsani uh, Mabuzo, who is a corporate relations executive at Zamani, looking very trendy in a ginger hair. Thank uh, you. I like your vibe. Uh, how are you, Kinsani? <laughs> I'm very well, thanks, and yourself? Fantastic. Look, uh, tell us a little bit about Z- Zamani, Kinsani, before we, we move on. So Zamani is a family-owned business um, that was opened quite a while ago. We've been in existence uh, for a couple of years, and yeah. um, I think our flagship company, which is Ituba Holdings, the operator of the South African National Lottery, is one that is quite famous. Everybody seems to know. Uh, but really, we are a private equity business, and our core module is about building um, society and expanding into Africa through socio-economic development. And, and what brings you here? I mean, it's an obvious question, but I'd like you to expand on your personal interest and why this invitation was appealing to you. I think as a company that is run and led by a black woman, um, as well as a business that has over 60% of its contingency is being women, I think it was more relevant for us to be sponsors here today uh, because we're here to celebrate women and achievements and the milestones that we've made. Um, I think there's uh, there's a difference between strategy on how we can empower women through you know the, the, the content we release on social medias and the j- digital platforms, but there really needs to be tangible changes that we make and we believe that this is one of the platforms that we can do that. And do you think that's changing? I mean, you spoke a little bit about the company that you are a stakeholder in, but um, do, do you think that that transition is a bit slow or do you think that we are on the right momentum? Transformation, you know, in all of its aspects, whether we're talking about it in its racial point of view or we're talking about gender parity, I think transformation is taking time to happen only because resources are currently lacking in all in all spectrums of, of, of the industry and in all spectrums of business. Um, I do, however, think that in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot stronger advocates about women empowerment. And I think through that, we've seen action being taken. And I think yesterday we spoke about there's no point in having strategy that is not action-based mm-hmm. and uh, we've seen the impact we've seen the stats we've seen the data throughout the course of today and, and uh, in yesterday that there is there's transformation taking place I think it's about where is it being communicated so that we can see those opportunities and then participate and in terms of practicalities and, and making sure that it's not just a talk shop because this is a very important issue because um, you know I, I was speaking to um, the lady from India uh, Dr. Rajesh was speaking earlier on and she was 
speaking about the fact that, you know, even in India it's a bit uh, patriarchal, but it's weird that in developing countries our societies are matriarchal in their nature. But when it comes to uh, organized structures, like when it comes to business, when it comes to governance, men dominate. Uh, that contradiction is still something that we need to deal with, isn't it? I think it's interesting. Um, I'm a nature girl, grew up in Nelspreit, so I love using the analogy around, you know, uh, natural selection. Let's yeah. look at a pride of lions. Sure. We've got women yeah. who are lionesses who do the hunting, they do the gathering, they're looking after the kids. It's still very matriarchal. Yeah. However, we've got a lion uh, who's who's this male lion who yeah. tends to become a leader. Yeah. And we as, as society, I think we follow the same principle that nature is following. Sure. Um, I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but I think it's about how do we as a society then participate in the transformation, the celebration, and then obviously the spreading of the resources so that it's not about a, a, a patriarchal system that thrives but rather a societal system that makes sense and thrives together it isn't about up with the girls club I was speaking about it yesterday you know uh, there's this boys club that exists we all know yeah. about it it's not about saying let's go you know down with the boys club and up with the girls club yeah. it's about how can we make the boys club and the girls club not only equal but work yeah. together yeah. I think that's where we'll find some change uh, we'll learn from each other maybe, maybe it starts with making the cigar room you know incorporate the champagne section perhaps it's making it <laughs> bit more unisex I don't know you know we had there's a golf club apparently that's been set up for us women uh, but hey hey maybe it's a cocktail night not a not a beer night or a whiskey night unfortunately we we've got only around four minutes no left but in terms of like just moving things forward uh, you know practically uh, as a young woman yourself I mean we've got a high unemployment rate in, in South Africa actually in sub-Saharan Africa it seems like we're going to need even more jobs with um, the introduction of the fourth industrial revolution it's not even introduced but we're right in the center of it so we still we're now feeling the effects of it um, what are your thoughts, especially when it comes to young women inclusion in, 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 in various sectors? Firstly, the fourth industrial revolution, I think, is, is a challenge to corporate citizenship. I think it should challenge us not to say, how can we use technology to, uh, to disable us, but rather we need to be challenged to see how can we make it benefit the people that we're serving as well as our employees. That's number one. It's use the fourth industrial revolution as a, a springboard to making improvements in socioeconomic development. Number two, I think as a millennial, I was very proud of it. I was speaking about it yesterday. <laughs> I think some of the changes that um, I would like to see yeah. is business or corporate needs to stop seeing entrepreneurship as a threat or as competition. I think we need to start seeing them as partners and opportunities. Um, we spoke briefly yesterday in the panel that we've got to start seeing sort of a lateral growth in wealth and capital. And the only way we can do that is if big corporates like ourselves start playing bigger roles with entrepreneurship and smaller enterprises so that they then can empower other people. It's not always sitting in your pocket, but it's about giving other opportunities to other people to then uh, spread those opportunities uh, horizontally. And what, what is the role of millennials in engaging with that? Because I think millennials are also insisting um, their space in various uh, areas of life. I think what's cool about even younger millennials than me, I'm in my 30s, mid-30s, which is 
I'm, I don't. I look at my sister. She's a different type of millennial, and I think it, it, it's very interesting to see that we are different millennials, despite the fact we've got like a nine-year gap, gap between right? us. Yeah. And, and I think she's more forceful in what she does. I mean, she's more of a social person. She's involved in health. But what I see, she's not waiting for someone to give her a chance. She's actually forcing herself into the space as a young woman. I was actually just about to say. So you and I are almost ten years apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're right. It's about forcing the gap. I think one thing that the younger millennials, the gap that we have, is that we're no longer apologetic. Yeah. And we need to uh, we need to live that and embrace the fact that we're not apologetic. We're educated. We've got opportunities that our forefathers didn't have. Let's take the skills. Let's force our ways into those opportunities. But then in doing so, let's not forget the people that are behind us that don't necessarily have the similar opportunities. And then give path just like our parents did for us. Yes, there's, there's always merit in creating new trends, but there's also merit in looking back and saying, how did history work and how can we replicate that to then create a better society? Fantastic. It's wonderful speaking to you, Kinsani. Thank you for giving us your time. That's Kinsani Mabuza, who's the Corporate Relations Executive at uh, Zamani. Looking very trendy. You should see her in this hairstyle. It's very cool. She's got this ginger fire on her head. She's like a real real millennial. <laughs> uh, fashionably so. But hey, that's how we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to say goodbye and take it back to the Johannesburg Studios. Uh, thank you for giving us your time. Remember, tomorrow we'll be back in the Johannesburg Studios with Ayanam Kwanazi presenting the program. And uh, do join us, same place, same time. But-